Let's all worship, uh, lift our hands and thank the Lord and worship the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, Father, we thank you. You are good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you that you are alive. Thank you for meeting with us. We have come to meet with you. We thank you, Father. Hallelujah. You are good. Hallelujah. 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 In Jesus' name. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Hallelujah. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 10.23, if you just back up a few verses. Let us hold fast the profession of faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. He is faithful that promised. Uh, that's Hebrews 10.23. Hebrews 10.23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith. Our is not in the original. That's why it's in italics. And faith is not actually faith. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Faith is faith, but that faith is not faith. That faith is the word hope, actually, in the original. Uh, let us hold fast the profession of our hope. Hallelujah. Without wavering, for he is faithful that has promised. He is faithful that has promised. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the substance of of things hoped for. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you that your blood is greater and that your blood is stronger and that your love is greater and that he cannot pluck him out of your hand. Satan, you take your hands off of him in the name of Jesus. Your authority over him has been removed by the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, we pray that you speak right now. Speak to him right now in his heart, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So faith is the substance of things that you what? Hope for, the evidence of things not seen. Well, we're talking about the faithfulness of God. That no matter how you act or have acted or even will act, that God is faithful. God is faithful. Why? Because really, if you're going to act and live in the very faith of God, or Jesus said, Mark eleven twenty two, lay hold, centenary translation, lay hold of the faithfulness of God. Right? If you're going to see awesome things in your life, you have to grab hold of the very faithfulness of God himself. It is the faithfulness of God. It is the mercy of God that we're not consumed. It is the faithfulness of God. You're alive today because God is faithful. You can become a believer because God is faithful. It is the faithfulness of God. You know you're kind of on the right track anytime what you believe is magnifying God the Father, Christ the Son, and the Holy Ghost. 
Because to him be all of the glory. Right? Jesus gave us such an example. They said, they said to him, good teacher. Remember what he responded? I love that. Jesus, the son of God. He said, there is none good but God. Well, he's what? Magnifying God. Right? So it is the faithfulness of God that we owe to, to, to whom we owe every good thing and every perfect thing. It, it is from God himself. God is a good God. So he says over in chapter 10, verse 23, let us hold fast the confession, really. It's the Greek word homologio, which means to say the same thing or to speak out of your belief in the very words of God. So let us hold fast. In other words, you hold on tight, latch to it, get a connection that you don't ever release, right, on what God says. Of what? Our hope without wavering. Why? For he is faithful. So how how do you act in faith? Well, you have to first have hope. Hope is not a bad thing or an evil thing. Hope actually comes from God. And hope, uh, faith rather, is the substance of the things that we hope for. What does substance mean? Well, this pulpit has some substance. I can touch it. I can feel it. You can see it. Right? And it it, it, it performs a a purpose. So it's holding up everything that I put on it. I'm not going to get on it, but it would even hold me. Because the people that made it, I said, would you make it out of aluminum? And so they just made it out of steel. Because they said, well, I knew you'd want something that wouldn't fall over. (laughs) I said, well, that's a lot easier to move if it's aluminum. (laughs) But we're thankful. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) But there's some substance to this. Some substance to this. So faith is the substance to things hoped for. So you hope for something, but if your life's going to ever be any different, or if someone else's life, because of God, is going to be any different, there needs to be some substance to the hope that we have. And faith is the substance. So in other words, you can have a hope, but that hope is kind of like, I really hope that happens, that would be great if that happened, or, oh, what if, or... You know, maybe somebody will give me $10,000, right? Oh, I hope that, hope that would happen. And, you know, uh, I need that. And, you know, like that, I hope. You know, but if you work at a company and they said, you know what, we had a really good year this year. And so we're giving every single employee $10,000. And so you're going to pick your check up tomorrow. We have a check for you for 10000 well, then that hope that you had, you're kind of like, whoa, really? It's like, yeah. Shows you the check. Your name, $10,000. You're like, whoa, what? There's some substance to that hope, right? And so faith is the substance of things hoped for. So uh, you hold fast the uh, confession of your hope without wavering, or the confession of your faith, you could even say, without wavering. For he is, why can you hold fast to it? Or why should you? 
because he is faithful. In other words, when you start to grab hold of the faithfulness of God, your hopes turn into substance. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So in other words, then when I'm believing, if I believe God in the face of circumstances that are opposite, how can I do that? Because I have something that is more real than what I see, feel, hear, than what my senses communicate to me. In other words, what God said is more real to me than what a man says, what a woman says, what the devil says, what feelings say. The voice of the Lord has garnered my attention so much that I have let it into my heart. And I have said, wait a second. I believe this. This is one of the reasons I love believing God. Because I'm not unsure in that arena. I am more sure in that arena than I am this arena. So somebody said, how do I know if I'm in faith? You're probably not. Because you have such a knowing that it really doesn't matter what anybody says. Why? I heard from God because God is faithful. And if God is faithful, well, does it really matter what somebody else says? If God said it, you can bank on it. God is faithful. Okay, Romans 3.22. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Uh, well, I'm going to quote verse 3 and then we'll go to 22. For what if some did not believe? What if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? That's right. That's right, Sharon. No. Verse 22. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe. If some did not believe, verse 3, would their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? No, the faith of God, which was in Christ Jesus, the faith of Jesus Christ himself, brought righteousness unto all. How many is that? All. Everybody but me, because I'm a really bad one. No, even you. Uh, what if some didn't believe that? Does their belief make the faith of God ineffective? No. No. Righteousness, the rightness of God or being right, being right with God, came unto all mankind 
by the faith of Jesus Christ himself. And he had faith in God. He had faith in himself. But it came by that faith unto all. Just because some people doubt it and don't believe it doesn't make the faith of God without effect. Every single one, every single human who has lived, is living, or will live until Christ returns can have that come upon them if they believe. In other words, their belief affects them. It doesn't affect you. And it certainly, really what he's saying is, it certainly does not affect God. It doesn't affect the faith of God. All right, where are we at? Verse 22. So even the righteousness of God, um, which is by the faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Hallelujah. God is faithful. Just give me one second here. I'll make sure that this is the right place to go. Thank you, Lord. All right, yeah. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm going to read in Passion Translation. Uh, I'll just start uh, in verse 1 because I love to give context. Verse 1. From Paul to God's called ones, his church in Corinth, I have been chosen by Jesus Christ to be his apostle according to God's perfect plan. Our brother Timothy joins me in writing to you. Our brother Timothy joins me in writing to you and all the holy believers throughout the Roman province, province, province of Achaia. My undeserved, excuse me, may undeserved favor and endless peace be yours continually from our Father God and from our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One. All praises belong to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for he is the Father of tender mercy and the God of endless comfort. (laughs) Praise the Lord. He always comes alongside us to comfort us in every suffering so that we can come alongside those who are in any painful trial. We can bring them the same comfort that God has poured out upon us. 
And just as we experience the abundance of Christ's own sufferings, even more of God's comfort will cascade upon us through our union with Christ. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm not quite sure what the Lord is doing right now, <laughs> but it's good. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So he's... Well, thank you, Lord. He's talking about comfort. If, you, if you've been with us on Wednesday nights, you know we've been talking about the comforter, or the paraclete, you know, the Greek word for Holy Spirit, the paraclete. Jesus said the paraclete, I'll send the paraclete. You know, and, and uh, King James tends to translate that as comfort, comfort, but um, <laughs> praise the Lord, the, the, <laughs> the paraclete actually, actually means uh, an advocate, a helper, someone that will stand by you, one who will befriend you. Tyndale actually translated, one who has made me strong. Another one said, he has enabled me. Uh, a paraclete actually this comes from the same <laughs> Greek word as uh, dunamis. Dunamis is the, the power of God. So that when he's talking about comfort, we really come way short if we just think like, I'm going to be comfortable. I don't even think that's... That's the least of the meanings of the word paraclete. He's talking about you'll be filled with explosive power, the same power that raised Christ from the dead. That you could take that same power and you can give it to others. We're talking about the power of God himself. Paul said in Ephesians, the same power that God exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. Hallelujah. So, uh, Passion called him the father of tender mercy and the God of endless comfort. Praise the Lord. That God's comfort will cascade upon us. How? How? 
through our union with Christ. Thank you, Lord. All right, so verse 6. If troubles weigh us down, that just means that we will receive even more comfort or dunamis power. <laughs> to pass on to you for your deliverance. <laughs> it kind of makes you look for trouble to come. Because if more trouble comes, more power comes. <laughs> oh, I didn't finish. Uh, <laughs> if troubles weigh us down, that just means we will receive even more comfort to pass on to you from your, from, for your deliverance. For the comfort pouring upon us empowers us to bring comfort to you. And with this comfort upholding you, you can endure victoriously. Endure does not mean endure. Like you crazy Americans think endure. I had somebody upset at me one time because I was talking about endure. Well, the Bible says the word endure. Oh, you think endure means I'm just going to have a rough time and I'm going to go through it and it's going to be really rough, but I'll make it through. No, endure has the fortification of God himself that you're like a fortress um, uh, on the edge of a, a mighty sea, like a lighthouse that is impenetrable and will never be moved. It will shine light for all of those ships that don't know where they're going and what they're doing. you got the power of God. You're like the rock of Gibraltar. You are not moved. And with this dunamis power upholding you, you can endure victoriously. See, because even right there, if you think endure means that, how is endure and victoriously in the same, right next to each other? Endure victoriously. It doesn't even, it doesn't even follow. You can endure victoriously the same suffering that we experience. Now, our hope for you is unshakable, shakable, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in God's comforting strength. <laughs> I've got to get down to verse 12. How will I make that? But I, I have to read this. Okay. Brothers and sisters, you need to know about the severe trials we experienced while we were in western Turkey. 
all of our hardships, we pass through, crush us beyond our ability to endure, and we were so completely overwhelmed that we were about to give up entirely. felt like we had a death sentence written upon our hearts and so we still feel it to this day it now listen listen it has taught us to lose all faith in ourselves and to place all of our trust in God who raises the dead. Oh, he's talking about that same power that raised Christ from the dead, right? That, that dunamis power. He's like, we got this comfort. We got this power from God. It sustained us. It enabled us. We can even give it to you. And now this same power that raised Christ from the dead, the reason we got this comfort or this power is because we came to the end of ourselves and we said, wait, we can't do it, but God can. <laughs> the power of God. <laughs> oh wow thank you Lord thank you Lord mm. Mm. <sighs> we're going to get to verse 12 and that's where we'll finish unless the Lord says something else Verse 10, he has rescued us from terrifying encounters with death. And now we fasten our hopes onto him. You know, he is faithful, right? And so we just, we just latch onto faithful. God who is faithful. God who is constant. God who is not changing. God who will always come through, has always come through, will never leave you, never forsake you, even when you're faithless. He is faithful. He is the God of glory. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you. Who will deliver us from death yet again. <laughs> As you labor together with us through prayer, because there are so many interceding for us, our deliverance will cause even more people to give thanks to God what a gracious gift of mercy surrounds us because of your prayers. All right, here we go. Thank you, Lord. We made it. Thank you. All right. We rejoice. We rejoice. You know what? One, 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 uh, whatever those things are that tell you what words mean. Um, one of those things, dictionary, whatever, they, they actually said that to rejoice means to leap up and spin around, right, with, with like maximum joy. 
Right? So listen. <laughs> listen to what he's saying. In other words, one, one translation before in uh, those other verses, you know, man, when the Holy Spirit's on you, you can't really think of natural thought very easily. Okay, so whatever the other thing was. But it said, we despaired even of life. We might as well die. We might as well give it up. Why? Because Paul and his companions were trying to do this in their own ability, their own strength, and they don't have any dunamis there. But when you come to the end of yourself, and you finally say, I'm not going to do this on my own anymore. I'm going to let God be God and every man a liar. I will not fear what men shall do unto me. Because God is my God. So we rejoice. Look, jump up, spin around. So when I say jump up, spin around, I mean like. So in contact with the reality of the goodness and the glory and the blessing and the power of God that you are hilariously happy that it affects your outward man. So we rejoice in saying with complete honesty, listen to this, complete honesty, I'm being totally honest with you. And I have a clear conscience. Conscience clear, clean. I feel no guilt for this. I'm not faking you at all. <laughs> What's he saying when he says that? That God has empowered us. God himself has empowered us. What you see is God's power in action. It is because of God's faithfulness. It is because of God's goodness. It is because of God's power, God's glory, God's ability. Listen what that ability gave them. To conduct ourselves in a holy manner with no hidden agenda, God's marvelous grace enables us to minister to everyone with pure motives. Not in the clever wisdom of the world. It's especially true in all our dealings with you. So he's saying, you see our lives? You see my life? You see how I've lived? You see what I've done? And he is so hilariously happy when he's saying this. He's like, <laughs> if you think this is me, I, I was like, I want to die, I want to die, I want to die. This is so horrible. Look at all these bad things that have happened. But that was good for me because I realized I had more of me than what I realized. So I gave up and I put my faith in God. 
So the holy way you see me living and the right things you see me doing and the things you hear me saying, they're of God <laughs> and not of me. Because my life is gone. My life is hid with God in Christ. In fact, the one you see living here is not really me. the last time you said I, I wish I was dead but I guarantee you it probably came from trying to do things in your own strength or seeing things with limited human vision Paul's like Paul goes in another place he's like if you know about something I know more if you acted holy, I acted holier. If you studied scripture and memorized it, I studied it longer and memorized more. Yet, all of these things I counted as poop. <laughs> compared to the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So this man is giving us an example. Follow me as I follow Christ. He is saying, stop your stinking thinking that you can figure it out and you can do it in your own strength. Just give up your life and jump up laughing and spin around. Look what Jesus has done. You think that's amazing how I'm living? It's Christ in me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You better stand up. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I don't know if you were able to watch Wednesday night service, but, uh, you know, uh, I don't know if, if you're, you probably are aware that... Uh, the Capitol was overrun on Wednesday or something. You know, people went into the Capitol building and uh, did some stupid things and everything like that. Uh, was it Tuesday, Wednesday morning or something? They elected two more senators in, uh, from Georgia uh, to the uh, Democratic senators, right? So then they said, well, the House flip and everything like that. Uh, so what I said Wednesday night was, you know, well, I should preface that with this. This is not really a political statement. Because uh, we spent some time uh, with Pastor Mark and Trent in some meetings this week and just uh, start at the beginning of the year in prayer and in the word and everything. And so, uh, you know, we like righteousness exalts a nation. 
Righteousness exalts a nation. Well, when I was, uh, I don't know, probably eight or eight to ten years old or something like that, we went to Kentucky to Mammoth Cave, and they had like a, this, this one part that was a huge, huge cavern. And, uh, and uh, in that cavern, they sure turned out all the lights. When they turned out all the lights, it was, Brother Hagin, if you ever hear his testimony, he's like, I went to hell. He said, it was the blackest black I'd ever seen. You could cut it with a knife. Well, every time I heard him say that, I thought when I went to Mammoth Cave, it wasn't hell. But it was such a black, you felt like you could cut a chunk. I'm like, I, would, I kept looking at the blackness and thinking, this is really black. I guess the darkest black I've ever seen. And then they just, I don't know if it was a candle or a match, but they lit one flame. And nobody had cell phones back then. That's how old I am. So there weren't any other lights. So they lit one flame. And in the midst of that utter darkness, that one flame lit the entire cavern, which would seat probably like 5,000 people if it was an auditorium, and probably be like four stories, three or four stories tall. That one flame lit up that entire place. I'm not saying there were no shadows. Obviously, there were rocks, there were shadows behind the rocks. But that one flame... You could see everyone's face in our group of probably 50 people. You could see every face with one flame lit in utter darkness. So I'm saying as your pastor is like, these are the days of the glory of God in the church. And uh, I don't know. Most people in here probably are not Democratic. Most people are probably Republican. But it really doesn't matter if you're Democrat or you're Republican got in place. People are looking to man to bring about justice and righteousness, and there is only one man who brings that, and his name is Jesus. And these are the days for the church to stand up in boldness and bring the gospel into Washington, D.C., and bring coals of fire from the very presence of God into Washington, D.C. And I really don't, I mean, I have preferences, don't get me wrong. But I really don't care who's filling those slots from a spiritual perspective. It's not going to make a bit of difference except for, I suppose, if it's the, the, the people that are, are um, trying to destroy the kingdom of God and destroy life and all of those type of things, then I'm just going to be a little more bold about it. Right? So it's not the time to like just uh, cower down. It's actually the time to pray for boldness. Paul said, pray that boldness may be given unto me that I may make known the mystery of the gospel. Because what people hunger for is rightness. Things to be right. Well, Jesus is going to come back and he's going to execute the execute extricate execute the heads of many nations whether people say like you ought to be doing that or you ought not to be doing that he is right and he knows so in other words our faith and our confidence is in him so uh, all these things you come to the end of yourself yet we rejoice 
We rejoice, actually, Paul said in Philippians, with joy unspeakable and full of glory. If you're going to expend some energy and give some things some attention, let's not let it be politics. Let's let it be the gospel. And let's bring the gospel into politics. I don't mean like, uh, I hope you understand how I say that. Now, if you're called to serve in political office, that's awesome. But you put God first. You carry the gospel first. You're a believer first. Amen. All right, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're online or you're here in the room, you can play. Um, if you're online or in the room and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord, as your Savior, or maybe like the word uh, that the Lord uh, spoke at the beginning of the, the ministry time there, Maybe that fits you. Maybe you were young and you accepted the Lord, or maybe you, you had given your life to the Lord, but you kind of um, turned and went the other way, made some other decisions, and maybe you feel like right now you're the most unspiritual, unrighteous, unholy person in the world. That's a good position to be in. Because he that is true and faithful and holy, he will receive you when you just turn back to him. Jesus told a story about a son that asked his dad, he said, Daddy, I want, I want to go live my own life. I want to do my own thing. I know you got lots of money. I want some of it. In fact, I want what you're going to give me when you die, I want it now. I want my inheritance now. The Bible says, or Jesus said in the Bible, that that son took his, the father gave him his money, his share of the inheritance, and he took it and he just squandered it on wild living. And he said when he ran out of money, he ended up having to get food from the trough with a pig. So he looked over while he's eating food next to a pig eating food. And he said, says he came to himself and he said, what am I doing? The people who work for my dad are better taken care of than I am right now. I'm going to go, I'm going to ask, I'm going to go back. I'm going to say, dad, I'm sorry. Will you let me be one of your servants? Will you let me be work for you? Maybe that's you right now. Maybe you're coming to yourself, to your senses, and you're realizing, whoa, this journey took me further than I ever thought it would. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said the father in that example looked and saw his son coming afar off. And he wasn't mad at him, and he didn't chew him out. He didn't say, I told you so. He put the family ring on his finger. He put a robe over him. And he said, go and kill the fatted calf. My son that was dead is back and alive again. We're having a celebration. That's what God thinks about you. Jesus actually said that example, that story was actually about how the father looks at his children that are lost. He loves you. He's been waiting for you. 
He's been looking for this day. He's been looking forward to this day. Don't let the devil, don't believe another lie of the devil. Don't believe another deception of the enemy. He wants to keep you as his own, but he has no right to you. God has bought you and purchased you with the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. And the way that you do that is you do what the prodigal son did. You, when you come to your senses, you realize what's going on, you come running back. You come running to God. You come to him. And the way you do that is you just believe what Jesus did, that God raised him from the dead after he took away your sins. And you say, Jesus, I receive you as my Lord. The second you do that and you do it from your heart, you will be saved. We just read in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, it said, it felt like we had a death sentence written upon our hearts, and we still feel it to this day. It has taught us to lose all faith in ourselves and to place our trust in Jesus Christ who loses the dead. So if you feel today that you have a death sentence and it's written on your heart, you can come out from under that and you can come to life. You can come to real life. That real life does not show up because you get a bunch of money, because you do a bunch of good things. That real life comes because you invite Jesus Christ into your heart. You have to make a decision. You have to decide. Only you have the power to decide. It is a decision that every individual has to make for themselves. God will not force you. He will give you every opportunity and every advantage because he loves you. But because he loves you, he will not force you. But he wants you. He desires the will of God is that all would come to him by faith in his son, Jesus Christ. I'm going to pray a prayer in just a few seconds. And when I do, please pray that prayer with me from your heart. God loves you. You're going to experience new life. You're going to experience forgiveness of sins. Your sins will be wiped out and gone forever. You're going to experience a birth into a brand new family with a daddy who is always good and always does good. God himself will become your father. I'm going to pray and I want every believer to pray with me and every one that's far from the Lord, every non-believer. Don't matter how dirty you feel, how far from God you feel, the second that you act and believe from your heart and receive Jesus, your whole life will be brand new. Say this with me if you want to receive Jesus. Say, God, I believe in you. I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. And I believe that he died on the cross to take away my sins. I receive Jesus Christ right now to be my Lord, to save me. Thank you, God, that you have now become my father. You're my dad and that Jesus is my Lord. In Jesus' name.
Amen.